You know, I have a ritual. I, I try to get up early on Sunday morning, and, and actually my Sunday starts on Saturday. I go to bed really early on Saturday night just to be prepared for the day, and then I try to wake up early on, on Sunday morning and just really pre- prepare my, my heart for the day and just uh, carrying the mantle of, of communicating uh, God's Word and, and worship and just interacting with people. So usually when I, when I hit kind of the interior of this place, like I'm good, like I'm prayed up, ready to go. So I come in here and they're, you know, doing their pretest with the video and everything. And then here's some of the members of the band making fun of me. I don't know, it was like, it was really sad, you know. They're all like, letters. They're in words. Letters. You can write stuff with them. <laughs> I was like, that's not very nice, but uh, letters. I mean, we're in a series called Red Letters and uh, looking at the, the words of Jesus. And um, hopefully you're being challenged through this series, you know, asking yourself, you know, what, what if Jesus really meant it? You know, what if he meant what he said? And how does that impact my life? Well, today we're going to be looking in uh, Luke chapter 7, and uh, there's some contextual stuff that we're going to look at before we really jump into it. But this was a, before we do that, this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to turn to somebody, preferably someone you do not know. Make sure you know their name and ask them this question. What do you do in preparation for a guest into your home? Go for it. This is a groovy little tune. I hate to, uh, hate to interrupt it. So what do you guys do in preparation of having somebody over to your house for the first time? Anybody? Clean. 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 Lots, of, lots of cleaning. Okay. Anybody else like to weigh in on this? 
I tend to freak out and obsessively clean my house and make sure that I've got everything the way it should be. Okay, <laughs> very, very good. Obsessively clean your home and make sure that it is, uh, it is perfect in every way. Damage control. <laughs> what do you mean by that? If you were if you were part of my family, you would know. <laughs> okay. I feel I feel so shut out. Uh, go to the grocery store. Make sure I've got like all sorts of beverage options and food options for my guests. What sort of beverage options? Well, some yes, and you know some Soy. liquor, Perfect wine, stuff. or beer. <laughs> liquor, wine, and beer. Very good. Spinach dip. Yes, spinach dip. You know what I've been, the almond milk, have you tried that? Yeah, that is the bomb. That is so good. I'm all about the almond milk. It really is good stuff. I thought I was going to like introduce you guys to something, something new, but you're all like, yeah. Psh. I know, where have I been? Anybody else? Get dishes. Outstanding. Was that you, Gordon? Oh, Joey, get dishes. All right, outstanding bake stuff when I know people are coming over because it makes my house seem more cozy and welcoming to have something ready. Yeah, I like lots of cinnamon. Uh, I, I, my specialty is banana bread. Banana I bread. Yeah, I use my grandma's recipe. So, Yes, <laughs> yes. Banana bread and almond milk. That's what I'm talking about. So, good stuff. Well, there's, there's things cultu- culturally, right, that, that, that we do in preparation for a guest. And, and the same was true in the first century. There was things that you would do when you were preparing to, to have somebody over for your home and, and when they actually got to your home. One of the common practices was, remember last week we were talking about, you know, how people walked around in sandals and togas all the time and uh, they get dirt and everything. So if somebody, and if you were in the first century and somebody was coming over to your home, you would offer, if you had servants, you would offer to have them clean your guests' feet, or you would do it yourself, or at the very least, you would offer the person a rag, you know, and some water just to clean themselves up. So that's one kind of like cultural thing that, that you would do. The other thing that you would do is uh, you would greet them with a kiss. Now, kissing back then was a little different you know, than uh, what we do, you know, just like this holy kiss a lot like uh, what the French or the Italians do or, or something like that, that that was a very common practice to welcome somebody into your home. And then the other thing, which is kind of weird, is uh, they would dab a little bit of oil on, on your head. Now, none of us would want that now, you know, acne and all that kind of stuff, but, but those were like the, the common practices, very much like us obsessing over cleaning our home or, or baking banana bread uh, or getting spinach dip, yes, uh, with uh, wine and liqueur. I don't know how that mixed, but sure, you know, uh, or almond milk and all of those kind of good things. You know, it's like there's other common practices that we do if we think about it. Uh, like if somebody's coming over at night, uh, we make sure that the porch light's on, right? And when they, when they get there, 
Uh, I was thinking about this. You know, there's kind of a, a universe. I don't know if it's universal, but it's very culturally what we, we all do. When somebody for the first time comes to our home with the porch light on, we'll open it up and we'll, we'll say, hello, did you have any trouble finding the place? Right? You guys say that, right? I say that. You say it too, I know. Thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay says it, and then somebody will say, eh, no problem, I found you on Google Maps or whatever. And it's, and it's all good. It's just kind of like culturally, that's, that's stuff that we do. And then, you know, we invite somebody in, and, and you know, we ask them if they want to sit down, and would you like anything to drink? I mean, there's, there's kind of the social contract that goes on, right, that that if you came over to my house and uh, it was nighttime and you drove up and there was no lights on, you'd be like, that's kind of weird. And maybe you're like, all right, I'm just going to go up anyway because he's kind of idiot and maybe he forgot. So you'd knock on the door and if I just kind of like opened up the door and I was like, hey, you know, just kind of like walked around. This, this, this is not like you've been around a long time. Like, that's how I treat you when you're my friend. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but if you are a, you know, the first time there, you know, there's, there's certain things that I am going to do to show you that you are welcome into my home. I'm going to offer you a drink and, and, and a seed and, and different things like that. Well, the same was true in the first century, that, that there's just these cultural kind of social contracts, these, these ways that, that people interacted with one another. So when we look in Luke chapter 7, we're going to see that there's some cultural things going on. And it starts out in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Now, Jesus uh, didn't invite himself over. Now, he wasn't above that. You remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man? Wee little man was he? He said, Zacchaeus in the sycamore tree, come down because I'm going to go to your house today. I know I messed up the song, but you get the point. Like Jesus was known that he would invite himself over. And I think that that's completely different. Like if you said, like when we're leaving here tonight, you know, Mark, I'm coming over to your house. I'd be like, oh, but Shannon's going to be mad. And, uh, but, but there would be a different kind of expectation if you were just going to show up rather than if I was like, hey, I would like you to come over to my home. So this is the social kind of thing that's going on that that this religious ruler, this Pharisee, asked Jesus, will you please come over to my home and eat with me? Now, in the first century, homes were thought of a little bit differently than how we think of homes today. You know, we think of homes of kind of like our personal castles, right? Our personal domain. Well, homes were a little bit different back then. There were areas in your home that was like that, 
but also they, it was very common to have kind of a courtyard area or a, a, a receiving place where it was more public that, that people would come and go. And what was very customary, especially for people who were religious rulers or, or rabbis or, or philosophers or theologians and, or uh, um, politicians, that they would kind of have these, these uh, uh, concentric circle of people who were in their home. And the, around the table were the invited guests. These are the people that the host went out and invited. And then outside of that circle were, were people who were just wanting to come and hear some interesting things, learn some things. So this is the setup that's going on, that, that Jesus is there and, and, and he's eating with uh, Simon, who is the religious ruler who invited him. And there's other people that are around that wasn't unusual. And then in verse 37, it says, when a certain immoral woman from that city, just to let you know, she was a prostitute, okay? Certain woman from that city, heard he was eating there. She brought a beautiful alabaster jar, which is kind of like this white translucent jar, filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Now, Culturally, for us, this is really a bizarre scene. First off, we're thinking, hey, they're sitting at a table. What is, you remember, you like Thanksgiving, you know, when like the little kids get under the table and they're like running around and doing stuff and, you know, how weird that is. And like, I think a lot of times in our mind, we read that and think, you know, what's this prostitute doing under the table, like crying on people's feet and kissing them? That's kind of, you know bizarre way to drum up business or, or, or whatever, right? Well, what's going on there is actually they're not sitting at a table like, like we would. What they would do is they would have this kind of common eating uh, area in front of them and they would lie on their stomach with like big pillows propping them up and they would have their feet behind them. So, so She's out, you know, in the concentric circle. She's outside of the invited guests, but she was okay to be there. And Jesus' feet was behind him. So she's sitting there, and, and you know, she's crying, and she's, she's putting perfume on his feet and, and, and letting down her hair, which was, you know, a real big no-no for women uh, in the first century. So she's got, you know, this kind of you know, just absurd, kind of undignified scene that is going on. In verse 39, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. So Simon, the, the religious ruler here, is, is seeing this scene. And I'm not sure what his motivation was for inviting Jesus there. But he's obviously kind of settled on a, a, 
on who Jesus was at this point. He's like, well, this guy is no prophet, you know, that, that he doesn't even know that, that this prostitute is, is, is touching him. What kind of prophet is he? Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, rabbi, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. You think he said it in a kind of like a condescending tone? Like, yeah, good job. You figured that out all by yourself. And that, I don't know, I put voices, you know, tone. It's just interesting to me. Never mind, we'll just move on. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with the tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but the person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Then the men at the table, the other people at the table, the other invited guests said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You know, when I read this and read this account, you know, I I think that we naturally gravitate to the parable, right? I mean, as far as like Jesus' parables go, you know, this one's not too terribly complex, right? You know, got a guy with 500 coins or pieces of silver. You got the person with 50 pieces of silver. Both of them can't pay. So we forget that, you know, this person, the, the, the loaner, uh, the creditor forgives both debts. Yeah, the person who owed more in this, in, this, in this parable, in this story, is more grateful. Yeah, we get it. You know, Simon's the guy with the 50. The adult, not the adulteress, the, 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 the uh, prostitute, the immoral woman, is the one with 500. And I think we get that. And I think that maybe for us tonight, Maybe the more important thing is to look at how Jesus responds to these two people in this story. How he responds to the woman who's a prostitute and responds to the religious ruler. 
He's very gentle and loving with the prostitute. And he's very, very harsh with the religious ruler. Why? It's obviously not because of their past, right? Because she has a much, you know, kind of like in the world's eyes, a much worse past than the religious ruler. He's a good guy. So what's the difference? Why, why is Jesus loving toward one and kind of condemning of the other? And I think it all comes down to how they approach Jesus. And I think that this is really, for us at least this evening, is the really important thing that we have to look at. You see, Jesus made a point of saying, look, when I entered your home, you didn't offer to wash my feet. He also made a point to say, you didn't greet me with a kiss. And he also said, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil. These are all the kind of the, the normal things that you would do for an invited guest. Now, I do not know, but I'm just kind of extrapolate or just kind of like read in the story. I don't think that Jesus would have said that if no one else got that treatment. I mean, it, it's pretty reasonable to think that he was invited over and these other guests probably had their feet washed. That they probably, you know, had, were greeted. And they were probably uh, had the olive oil on it. And, and you have this picture of Jesus who was kind of this invited guest and he was, he was invited in, but not really, truly welcome. And then this is contrast with this woman who fulfilled above and beyond all of, of kind of the, the, the social uh, courtesies. And, and this is obviously a big deal to Jesus because he really unpacks it here. And through that, he says, look, because she accepted me, and loved me that, and invited me to be part of her life, that her sins are forgiven and that she gets to go in peace. And I think as you look at these, these, these two people, you know, one, you have coming to Jesus, the prostitute, who is in complete desperation. She can't even emotionally hold it together. That she comes to Jesus and she's weeping and just wants to be in his presence and, and to be accepted by him. Where the religious ruler, where Simon, at best, he's looking at Jesus as his peer. And at worst, kind of an accessory to his religion. But we would never do that, right? We would never invite Jesus into our lives, but just kind of approach him or let him kind of just 
be there, but not really be there, to let him know that, you know what, you can come or go, it really doesn't matter to me. That, that if you're here, it's okay, but if you're not, you know what, I got it handled, that I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and I really don't need you, Jesus. I almost have this kind of picture in my mind uh, of us getting ready in the morning, you know. You take our shower and we, you know, floss and brush our teeth and do all these kind of things. We, we put on our clothes and then, and then at the last minute, you know, we're running out and we grab our gold cross and we put it, put it on, you know. And not that there's anything wrong with that. That's not what I'm saying. But just kind of like this accessory to everything else. And I think this story shows that, you know what, Jesus does not accept being a peer, your peer. And he definitely doesn't accept being some Christian accessory in our lives. And I think that there's a lot of positive things for the familiarity that we have with Jesus and and the closeness that we have with Jesus. But when it really comes to it, even though Jesus calls us his friend, he is also our king. He is also our savior and our Lord. And we can never forgive that forget that. My wife and I, uh, we started watching a show. It's called Merlin. Anybody? Okay. Well, there's Merlin and there's Arthur and, and uh, he, he's the prince and uh, they have this kind of weird kind of friendship going on. That, yeah, they're friends, and, and, and Arthur treats uh, Merlin as a friend and jokes around with them. But Merlin always recognizes that he is in the presence of royalty. And that's really, as we approach Christ, that, you know, yeah, he calls us his friend. But we also have to realize that we are in the very presence of royalty. And that he is a holy and reverent and worthy God. Who gave up his position and gave up the the. the the comfort and of being intertwined in perfect relationship with the Trinity to come down and walk with us. And we can never forget that he did that. And that, that, you know what, we may be good and our debt may be small, but we still have debt in that we do not have the ability within ourselves to be be restored to a right relationship with God without what Jesus Christ did on the cross and rose from the grave three days later. And I kind of 
just, when I look at this, and I'm guilty of this, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I mean, you know, I've kind of fallen into the, you know, the Jesus is my homeboy kind of thing. You know, I love having that familiarity. But, you know what? I'm not Jesus' equal. I'm not, and neither are you. And what Jesus accepts is this broken spirit of total reliance on him. I was thinking about brokenness this afternoon. You know, this, this, this prostitute who's compl- a complete mess slobbering and crying and kissing feet and I mean she's a wreck right but you know what she's a wreck who is in heaven and her salvation came because she realized that her debt was too great for her to pay and that she needed a savior. So I don't know where you guys are tonight, but I think that, you know, as we look at this, that we should really evaluate how we approach Jesus and be grateful that he calls us friend and he doesn't call us his servant anymore. And that is great and that is awesome. But that does not mean just because he calls us friend that he is not our king. And he paid our debt so that we could be right in the eyes of our God. You guys pray with me. Dear Lord, my King, my Holy God, God, I pray that we come to you with brokenness and desperation. Because in our brokenness and in our desperation, we will find your love. And we will find your acceptance. And we will find your forgiveness and your restoration. God, we thank you that you call us your friend. But I pray against us ever forgetting that you are our king. Jesus, you are our king. And we love you for what you've done for us. In your royal name, amen.